Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Fletcher, back in New York City after my brief tour of the Deep South. I managed to avoid Hurricane Ian's wrath, but I did not manage to avoid the wrath of the G-Man versus Robbie scandal and the fact that I recorded our last episode while that whole thing was actually going down. And so it basically, the news of it broke right after I finished recording last week's podcast. I know that everyone is sick of talking about it, and yet so many of you have asked me to share my thoughts. I'm going to do that very quickly right now. But first, I want to thank you guys, those who tuned in to the uh, live stream of the WSOP.com final table last Sunday as David Tuckman and I were covering the $1,000 online bracelet event. I'm going to be back with Mr. Tuckman this Sunday, October 9th, covering yet another bracelet event on WSOP.com, which you can watch on twitch.tv slash WSOP this Sunday, October 9th, whenever that final table starts. Tuck and I have a lot of fun together, and it's really great that some of you were joining. It was a very quick one. It was a turbo, a 1K turbo. And on WSOP.com, when they say turbo, they mean turbo. That final table was over as quickly as it started. Uh, I think the one this Sunday is not a turbo, so it will probably start a little bit later and last a little bit longer. You can also watch the archives of not only that event, but all of those live-streamed bracelet events on Twitch dot tv slash wsop all right let's get to robbie and garrett first of all and very importantly i don't know so that's (laughs) that's how i want to start there are a lot of people taking one side or the other with so much conviction and certainty that i'm i'm amused i mean honestly without real evidence and i mean real evidence that cheating was going on I would never accuse someone of cheating. Just like if I wasn't sure a particular comedian had stolen some of my material, I would never, ever accuse that person of doing so. To me, these are equivalents. In comedy, the worst thing you can be is a joke thief. And in poker, the worst thing you can be is a thief thief. So basically, when you're calling somebody a cheat, you're basically saying that person is dishonest and a thief. So I'm not going to say that. Do I think there's anything suspicious going on? Of course, it does appear that something unusual is happening. But that unusual thing could just be an amateur player who doesn't know exactly what's happening makes an incredibly unusual, (laughs) terrible call with Jack High that happens to be good, and then the world explodes. I mean, look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I've never seen a bad call before. I mean, we've all seen amateur players do very strange things. Nobody is claiming that this Robbie person is a professional poker player. And so I think that we need to give her the benefit of the doubt. 
I love all the ridiculous theories going on about, you know, this vibrating device somewhere on her person or a close-up shot of what appears to be something in her pocket. But then is that picture legitimate? I mean, there's a lot going on. There is a formal investigation happening right now, and I will leave it to those investigators to hopefully come to a conclusion about all of this. One thing that has happened already, and this is somewhat breaking news as I record this on Thursday evening, October 6th, just about 30 minutes ago, Hustler Casino did report that upon reviewing footage from the live stream, they did catch one of their own employees stealing chips off of Robbie's stack. And so that employee has been fired and so that's good news. At least some kind of wrongdoing was uncovered from reviewing the tapes. I mean, wow, what kind of audacity do you need to have? You know there are cameras everywhere. It's a live stream. I don't know. I guess when there's a lot of money at stake, people are willing to take really big chances in really marginal spots. And this employee of Hustler Casino uh, is guilty of doing that. He admitted wrongdoing and apologized, but uh, Robbie does not want to press charges against him, so that looks like it will be uh, dead on arrival, except that he is no longer employed by that casino. So hopefully more information will be coming out soon. I know a lot of us are very interested. One thing I do want to comment on is the uh, feminism or misogyny or misandry or sexism element of all of this. And I just want to say, as I've said many times on this podcast, I think that women get a bad deal in poker because there are so few of them relative to the number of men. And we as men need to go out of our way to treat women fairly and don't be condescending about it. You know, I think I talked about this last time. You know, it's not about oh, little lady, let me pull out the chair for you. And isn't it cute that a girl wants to play with the big boys? You know, that is not the vibe that we're going for. Just treat them as equals. And that means that uh, if Robbie is one of our equals, I know that if a man had made the same call that she made, that man would be under the same type of scrutiny, at least in terms of whether or not he had cheated as she is. But it does feel like in some cases... There's a bit of sexism or misogyny. People seem to be hitting below the belt, um, and especially commenting on her appearance, which we don't do typically in the case of men, or using the B word to describe her, which seems to be a, a, a recurring topic here on the podcast, as I also expressed my views on people using that word to describe my friend, Ebony Kenny on a previous episode. So let's just be good to each other. You know, yes, we are gambling. Yes, we are in essence trying to take each other's money, but let's do it in an honest way and leave the hateful comments out of it. Look, I don't know what happened and in all likelihood, neither do you. So speculate all you want, but don't present your opinion as though it's a proven fact. All right, let's get into some strategy. I got a really great tweet. I, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate this tweet. It comes from a user named Phil underscore Fang Ji, and I'm sure that I'm mispronouncing his name, uh, but he starts off 
his message to me by saying, Clayton, I signed up for Twitter specifically so that I could thank you for the TPE podcast. I don't know if there is anyone else out there who actually joined Twitter just to be able to contact me. But number one, I get a kick out of it. That is the best way to contact me via Twitter at Clayton Comic. My DMs are open. Feel free to tweet me publicly. I will respond to you publicly as well. Uh, But yeah, this is really nice that Phil wanted to let me know that he used to play back in the day. He used to play small stakes on Poker Stars before Black Friday. And now he lives out in China, in Beijing, and started playing on GG Poker and private home games. And it kind of rekindled his love for poker. He joined TPE, TournamentPokerEdge.com, where you can find thousands of hours of incredible poker coaching videos, by the way. And he says that he's very pleased with TPE and the videos on there. My favorite coaches so far are Colin Moshman, Andrew Brokus, and Alex Fitzgerald. Well, guess what, Phil? Those are my favorites too. So I guess it's not a coincidence. Phil shared a couple of hands with us from a 45-ish dollar online tournament. Now, of course, he's playing in Chinese currency, so that's why I say 45-ish, depending on when he played it and the exchange rate, but it's it's in that ballpark, about 40 or $50. So he tells me that we're on the bubble, and the blinds are 1800 and 3600 with a 540 ante. The table is playing six-handed, so that means this bubble is either six players or maybe it's 12, 13, 11, something like that. I'm going to assume there are two players left just based on some of the other details that Phil chose to include in his message to me. But either way, we're here on the bubble. Hero has 58,000 chips for an M of 6.7. He's got about 15 times the big blind, a little bit more, I guess, 16 16 or 17 bigs. Uh, He's in fourth place at his six-handed table. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that based on the other stacks that the average is right around 80 or 90,000. So Phil is not doing particularly well. There are two short stacks remaining at the table that just have about 22,000. Again, Hero with 58,000. And we are on the bubble. Phil also notes that the min cash is 4.5 times the buy-in for this tournament. So that's a very high min cash. In some tournaments nowadays, the min cash is actually less than two buy-ins. So uh, yeah, that's pretty significant. He also notes that first place is 10 times the buy-in, which actually, given those numbers, now that I look at it, Perhaps this is the final table and only five places are paid. So anyway, regardless, it's six max on the button and the under the gun player raises to 9K off of 120,000. The under the gun player, according to Phil, is a consistent winner despite running 38-9. Really? I, I find it hard to believe that anyone could actually be a consistent winner without cheating. <laughs> Speaking of cheating, those are terrible numbers. Like 38 is way too loose. Nine is way too passive. And loose passive is the worst 
strategy to have. Uh, apparently, this guy must be a world beater post-flop if he's doing all that pre-flop. Phil goes on to say that this player limps in half the time and raises half the time that he enters the pot before the flop. And I'm thinking that is not a great strategy on the bubble in this or any tournament in the history of poker ever. So let's just keep reading and, you know, give give them the benefit of the doubt. So he makes it 9,000 and the next player folds. And now Hero is in the cutoff with the Ace of Spades, King of Spades. So look, if it's me, I'm on the bubble, but I have Ace-King suited. I have a below average stack and I'm at a six-handed table against a player who enters the pot 38% of the time. (laughs) I'm all in. I mean, I can't really figure out how else to play this. There's already 17,600 in the middle by the time the action's on Hero. We only have 58,000 to start the hand. So let's get it in roughly, you know, 3.2x the current pot. And this this pot means a lot to us. Phil decides to just call. Uh, here is Phil's logic, okay? These are his words here. With my background in full ring cash, I generally never three bet an under the gun razor. I did consider shoving, but this is the bubble and I would not expect him to fold any pair at all. First place is 10 times the buy-in, about 475 US dollars, which is meaningful money to my bankroll. Okay, so a couple of things going on here. Um, oh, let's keep going. The two shorter stacks are very weak players, and the big stack is also not so great. There's only one solid player at my table, and to some extent, also the under-the-gun razor. Okay, so this is the case for just flatting. And uh, Phil, I do appreciate you writing to me. I love that you want to get better at the game. It sounds to me like you're playing with scared money. I mean, if you are worried about not cashing in this tournament and that is justifying your decision to just flat here, I think that you should play lower stakes. Guys, you should only be playing at stakes where you are able to play your A game. And I don't think that this case that Phil's making here is a good one for just flatting with ace-king suited in this spot. Um, Just for color, I can't think of a poker table that I could be sitting at and just flat ace-king suited with an M of 6.7 on the bubble. I mean, I think when you're on the bubble, that's the time to find spots to be as aggressive as possible. Now, if you're saying that the guy's never going to fold any pair, that's fine, but he's entering 38% of the pots. He's not often going to have a pair. Is he also going to call you down with ace-5, ace-6, ace-7, and all the other aces that you can beat? Would he call with king-queen, king-jack, king-10? I mean, 38% is a lot of hands. So you're worried about the worst-case scenario, which is that you might be in a coin flip, But against a lot of his range, even when he calls, you're in much better shape than that. And for that reason, I think we just need to go ahead and stick the stack in. Come what may, if you bubble, you bubble. Now, true, there are two short stacks. And true, 
They're not good players. And true, there's a good chance one of them will bust out if you just fold. And true, Clayton Fletcher doesn't care about ICM. Still, I cannot justify folding the ace-king suited or just calling with ace-king suited in this spot. So, I mean, yeah, I guess I'm glad you didn't fold, but I don't think that calling is a compromise. And that's a quote from my buddy, Andrew Brokus. Calling is not a compromise. So let's stop beating up on Phil and see what happens. So Hero calls, and then that invites the small blind to also call. And then the big blind, who is the player that Phil identified as being the only really solid player remaining, is the big blind, and he actually folds despite getting a pretty darn good price to call with any two cards. So we're going to see a flop three-handed hero holding the ace of spades, king of spades, and now with 34,000 in the middle, hero with only 49,000 remaining, the flop comes queen of spades, jack of spades, four of clubs. Queen, jack, four with two spades, hero holding the ace of spades, king of spades for a royal flush draw. I've never seen a better flop than this one. So the small blind checks and the original Razor, the under the gun player, bets 11,000 chips into the 34,000 pot and the action is on hero. Okay, okay, Phil, okay. If you didn't want to shove pre-flop because you wanted to see what came out on the flop first, you know you're probably a favorite versus just about anything that your opponent can have in this spot. He's only bet a third of the pot into two opponents. Let's go all in now. You know, I wanted to go all in before the flop, but now I know we have tons and tons of equity. Even if we have very little fold equity, it has to be profitable to get all in here with the two over cards, the flush draw, the straight draw, the straight flush draw. I mean, you flop the world's fair. Let's go. Uh, Instead, Hero just calls and... The small blind calls as well. So with 67,000 in the middle and Hero with only 38,000 now remaining in his stack, the turn comes the queen of clubs. Pairing the board. So our board is now queen of spades, jack of spades, four of clubs, queen of clubs, Hero holding the ace of spades, king of spades. And the small blind again checks the under the gun player again bets this time 22,000 into the 67,000 pot so hero is being offered four to one odds on a call uh oddly i don't want to shove anymore i feel like we had we we should shove before the flop and we should absolutely shove on the flop but if it gets to this point i think ace high is good a lot and i don't actually want to lose an opponent who's bluffing I also know that our a lot of our opponent's range will be queen X, especially when he bets again, again into two opponents. Also, let's not forget that the small blind has been calling all the way down. And so a lot of his range will also be queen X, which now has trips and shoving against that hand is not profitable <laughs> anymore. Not with only one more card to come. And I don't care how big, our combo draw is. We also could be drawing dead, but I don't think there's a very good chance of that. 
although certainly Queen Jack is possible from either opponent. I mean, I guess we're never drawing dead because we could make a royal flush, but you know, drawing to one out is drawing virtually dead, right? Anyway, uh, yeah, I think in this spot we should just call, and Hero decides to fold. So, okay, we're getting four to one. We have a royal flush draw. We have an opponent that we already admitted is very aggressive. Uh, yeah, I can't get behind this fold. I understand it's bubble considerations, but again, it kind of feels like scared money to me. Now, let me reveal something I haven't revealed before about Phil's comments on this hand. He said it's a bit embarrassing, but he wanted to share it anyway. Uh, he also wanted to share, guys, that he took first place in this tournament, despite having played this particular hand on the bubble like a passive nitty rock. Well, congrats on the bink, Phil. That's pretty cool. And uh, I hope that you continue to listen and improve your tournament game with the podcast and the Tournament Poker Edge website as well. I'm going to do one more hand from Phil. This is a totally different tournament, but same hero. Uh, this one is, we can presume, a small stakes tournament, because that seems to be what Phil mostly has been playing of late. Uh, it's early on. The blinds are 80 and 160 with a 25 ante. Uh, again, it's a six-handed table. And Hero is second in chips at his table with 11,000. So about 80 big blinds or so. Um, the small stack in this hand is the big blind who only has 1,800. So just about 11 big blinds for the big blind. Uh, the under-the-gun player opens to 350 off of 6,400. And the hero is next to act in the hijack holding the seven of hearts, six of spades. There's nothing to do here. We really have to fold this hand. We're just in the hijack. There are way too many players yet to act behind. Um, Phil does justify making this call because he noticed a pattern that the uh, the opponent that's already entered the pot has a tendency to go two barrels, but not three, a lot, and is generally loose and generally too aggressive and all of that. And that's all well and good. And that means that maybe we can call a little bit more often against this opponent when we're in the blinds or at least be on the button. You can't be flat calling even the wildest player's opening bet uh, with 7-6 from the hijack. You're really putting yourself in a terrible spot if anyone to your left decides to call or 3-bet. So, yeah, this is a clear fold. Um, I understand he's trying to play around a little bit. He mentions that he had watched um, an Andrew Brokus video that made him want to get involved. And we will see which type of video that was in just a minute. I don't want to reveal that just yet. Anyway, the uh, hero calls and the action folds to the big blind who also calls. So now three players will see the flop with 1,300 in the middle. Hero holding the seven of hearts, six of spades. And the flop comes 10 of hearts, nine of diamonds, tray of clubs, 10, nine, tray, rainbow. And the big blind checks the under the gun player C bets 490 into 1300. And the action is on hero with just the bottom end of a gut shot straight draw. 
and Hero decides to call. So, yeah, again, I'm not a fan. I think that I would actually prefer raising, but I think that your best play in this spot is to fold. I understand you are trying to find an exploit versus a player that you think you have a really strong read on, that he goes two barrels a lot, etc. I think that one thing that's complicating matters here is you are not heads up versus that player. You are in there also with the big blind who is a short stack to begin with and is unlikely to fold any piece of this board. So I don't like floating here, which is essentially what Phil is doing as hero in this hand, um, floating to kind of see what comes on the turn uh, versus the player that he has that strong read on and also maybe hoping to get lucky and hit an eight on the turn. But please note that even when you do hit an eight on the turn, you're losing to Queen Jack, which is a little bit ironic because we also were worried about Queen Jack in the previous hand. Seems like Queen Jack is pretty tough against Phil. Anyway, uh, yeah, for all those reasons, I prefer just you know throwing this away. I understand you want to exploit this player. It is good to have position versus a player like this one, but I just want to have a little bit more of a hand, especially for getting involved from the hijack as opposed to the button. But anyway, Phil calls, and thankfully, the short stack big blind finally folds. And before I tell you what happened next, I want to talk quickly about sitesoptimized.com. My friend Danny, you guys have heard me talking about Danny, great guy. We met in Vegas over the summer. We actually played in the Lucky Sevens event at the World Series of Poker. Danny has a company, sitesoptimized.com, and what they do is web design and SEO services. Their prices are good. They start at $299 for web design and $195 a month for SEO. These are very reasonable prices. Um, Danny's willing to give you guys, whoever wants a website, your business, your personal, any type of website, he will do a, a mock-up of a website for you. And if you like it, then and only then do you have to pay for it. So he'll just give him a chance. Visit sitesoptimized.com. Tell him that you listened to the podcast and you heard about his offer to show you what he can do. I can tell you about it till I'm blue in the face. You guys need to check out this website. Danny's a poker player. He's a podcast listener. So if you're in the market for a website or SEO services, give someone in the family a chance and visit sitesoptimized.com. So let's recap. We called a raise before the flop with 7-6 offsuit from the hijack, and the big blind came along. So three of us saw a flop of 10-9 tray, and the original razor fires off a continuation bet, which we called, and then the big blind folded. So we're heads up on the turn, which comes the king of hearts. So our board is now 10 of hearts, 9 of diamonds, tray of clubs, king of hearts, hero holding the seven of hearts, six of spades for nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely nothing. Please note that the queen jack got there. A uh, villain, the under the gun player, uh, bets 800 into the 2250 pot and hero decides to go for the bluff here. He raises to 2400. 
Now, I do prefer this play to calling, but I still think that folding is better. It's true that we have a heart in our hand. Remember, the backdoor hearts come in here on the turn. So we want our opponent to have two hearts in his hand when he fires another barrel here. And that's harder for him to do without the seven of hearts. Now, of course, the seven is not the most significant heart in the world. It's a lot better than us holding the ace of the suit or something like that. But still, all things being equal, I'd rather not have a heart if I chose to go out on a limb and make this play that Phil chooses to make in this situation. Also, given this board texture, it is extremely difficult for the villain in this hand to have nothing. I mean, he's got a pair or a draw or a combo draw or something like all the time, pretty much. So it makes it very unlikely that this bluff is going to get through as often as it needs to, to be profitable. However, 2400 gets it done and Hero wins the pot. So even though uh, Phil sent me two hands that he won, uh, I didn't think that he played them particularly well in either case. And this is interesting to me, guys, because 99% of you that send me hands, you send me hands that you lost and played well. And you want to know, is there something you could have done better? <laughs> and Phil here is the opposite. But also, he's all the way around on the other side of the world. He's out there in China. So maybe everything is the opposite across the globe. Uh, Phil explains that he was excited to try some of the bluffing techniques after watching uh, a great video by Andrew Brokus that you can find on TournamentPokerEdge.com. Andrew has a, a whole series about bluffing. And I think that Phil was just being a little overzealous here, trying to force a bluff in a spot where it might not have been advisable in the first place. But hey, it worked out for him this time. And congrats, Phil. And thank you so much for your really nice message. And I hope that you're enjoying Twitter. I hope that joining Twitter hasn't ruined your life as it has for so many others. But that's going to do it for this episode. Always appreciate you guys rating and reviewing and subscribing and everything else that every single podcast host in the world wants you to do. And so for everyone here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I want to hold them like they do in Texas plays. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun Oh, wow